Today, we're talking about how to protect your assets from the unexpected, as well as getting your financial house in order. All of this with expert attorney, Monica Edwards. Let's jump into today's interview. Investing Secrets with Kevin Attride. Getting your financial house in order is key to preserving wealth. A lot of investors, a lot of wealthy individuals fail to do that. Um, believe it or not, um, I've, I've settled a lot of estates where the, the estate was not in order. I'm Kevin Attright, and I'm on a mission to help you with investing secrets, empowering you to succeed financially, changing your financial perspective and growing your wealth in good times and in bad. And when the next crisis comes, those prepared to weather the storm will achieve great success while the world melts with fear. Today, we have a very special guest. The first time I heard Monica speak, I was blown away at her character, her tenacity, and her expertise. So I wanna welcome Monica Edwards of It Is Written. Monica, thank you for joining us. Kevin, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, um, I'm just thrilled to be here and get an opportunity to share about what's going on at It Is Written. Well, please tell us more about yourself, your experience, and It Is Written. Currently, I'm the Director of Planned Giving and Trust Services at It Is Written. And It Is Written is a national um, media ministry um, that focuses on evangelism. Um, I became the director about a year ago. Actually, in January, I became the director, but I began working with It Is Written about a year ago because I was so... um, uh, drawn to evangelism at this point, at this stage in my career. Um, prior to coming to It Is Written, I worked in corporate America um, as an attorney at Wells Fargo. I was with Wells Fargo for about nine years in um, doing uh, a state settlement. Basically, what that is, is um, settling um, estates of high net worth clients. Um, and that kind of dovetails very well with um, my training, which is um, as an attorney in estate planning and probate. Um, I received my bachelor's degree from Arizona State University in economics, and I received my law degree from Chapman University in California. Today's episode has been made possible by our presenting sponsors, Living Wealth, Bank on Yourself with Private Family Financing, Wellings Capital, Build Wealth Through Diversified Recession-Resistant Commercial Real Estate, and Smead CPA, the next frontier CPA firm for strategic investors. Well, thank you, Monica. And and you come from a, a really good background and, and great experience in this and just really excited to uh, dive deeper. So we have an audience of, of investors at all different scales, talents, and experience. Really interested to see if you can help us dig a little deeper into what are the practical tips or the secrets of investing as you see it, especially when it comes to estate planning. Well, I guess I can say, number one, I'm no expert in the financial markets, but um, what I can say is um, from an estate standing, um, estate planning standpoint, um, number one, getting your financial house in order is key to preserving wealth. Um, I, a lot of investors, a lot of wealthy individuals, um, fail to do that. Um, believe it or not, um, I've, I've settled a lot of estates where the, the estate was not in order and they 
spent all their life building this, um, amassing this wealth. And a lot of it gets eaten up in litigation um, or because they didn't have a, an estate plan, it goes to what I like to call unintended beneficiaries. Uh, so you didn't plan for it, um, but it went to individuals that you didn't want it to go to. So it's very important that um, those invest that investors take the time to um, get their financial house in order. Um, but uh, from a practical standpoint, given the climate that we're in, uh, my personal preference would be real estate. Real estate is an amazing investment. I'm, you know, with the volatility of the markets at this point, you just have no idea where where it's going to be from one day to the next. So personal preference makes sense to me, practical, real estate. Monica, go a little deeper for us. You've seen many high net worth individuals and, and their portfolios, their investments, and what's been successful. So dive a little deeper around real estate. In diving a little deeper in real estate, it's that one asset that it it's it maintains some level of um, value, you know, from the time you you acquire it to the time you you unload it or if it's in your estate when you pass away. And it's been that one, um, one asset that many um, individuals, investors um, as well, um, that make up the majority of their um, estate, uh, make up the majority of their uh, um, net worth, real estate. It may be it uh, investment real estate, second home, personal home, or a combination of all those. Um, real uh, business, uh, real estate, all of that um, seems to hold value a lot better than other assets. I mean, obviously, that's not uh, that's a general statement. You know, it's not a hard and fast rule, but that's what I see generally. That's helpful. And what else are you seeing from your your past successful clients? Some of the things that I see um, that I've seen in settling estates because you get to look at um, wealthy individuals' uh, entire gross estate and how they've accumulated. You, get, you have to know how they actually accumulate a, a majority of their wealth when you're settling an estate. Cash cows, I've seen. I call them cash cows. I've seen um, very wealthy individuals who have owned, um, believe it or not, RV parks. Um, parking lots, storage units. These individuals pass away, and what I see is money continuing flowing into the estate because they own several storage units, um, because they um, storage facilities or car washes sometimes, but RV parks, trailer parks. <laughs> These are things that I, I would never have thought of, um, but they are very good investment in their cash cows. We call them cash cows um, in, in the industry that I work in. What are practical things people need to think about from their own estate planning? Um, what, how they need to organize themselves, as you spoke to earlier? First of all, when you think about estate planning, it's a process, right? It's a process of making the necessary arrangements for the management of your estate when you're no longer around. In addition, Kevin, you know, um, what people don't think about is when they're doing their estate plan, they think, 
oh, what happens when I die? What's going to happen when I die? You know, how, how are things going to get set up? But we like to say probate is one thing. That's when you die. But living probate, that's another thing. And I don't know if you've heard of that um, term used, but it's worse than probate because living probate is if you're alive and you can't do for yourself. What happens if you don't have documents in place? What happens if someone can't um, make decisions, if you own a business, if you, uh, if you can't make those decisions anymore, if you own a business or you have investments or, or whatever, you're, you're no longer able to do that. You're alive, but you need those assets to take care of you. Who's going to do that? Did you put the proper um, estate planning documents together to ensure that you are taken care of, your family's taken care of? You, or do you or does your family members have to go to court and get a guardianship or conservatorship over you? That's uh, a time consuming. It's costly. It's it's um, almost demeaning for that person to have to go through that process because they're dragged into court and you're sitting there. You know, many times you can still hear you just can't take care of yourself. And, you know, you have doctors saying you're incompetent. You have people you know, prove, trying to prove that you can't do it, certain things for yourself. And, and then it's hard for the family members as well, because they have to get a bond. They have to prove to the court that they can take care of you. And, and it's not a simple process. So if for no, uh, if for no other reason, you want to have your estate planning documents, um, for example, your powers of attorney in place to avoid things like that, a living probate, um, in addition, another powerful tool would be a trust that helps with living probate as well, um, because that trustee can automatically step in um, without having to go to court to make sure you're taken care of. So, you know, estate planning has a lot more to um, a lot to do with you taking care of you while you're incapacitated, in addition to taking care of your estate when you pass on. And Monica, can you get specific on some of those documents? So someone may say, "I, okay, that's you know helpful understanding of what I need to do, but what are those documents? And my attorney says, oh, you don't need one of these from your expertise and guidance. What are the specific documents you need or specific details within the documents would be helpful? So at the very least, you should have uh, your will, last will and testament. Most people have heard, heard of that, heard of um, that document. And that document pretty much just designates who your executor will be. Who, that's the person that you want to manage your estate when you're not uh, no longer uh, around, someone that you trust. Um, and your financial power of attorney, that's the person that you want to have access to your bank accounts, your business um, interests, um, to, to manage those assets for your benefit while you're alive, um, if it's a financial power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, if for whatever reason you can't communicate certain medical decisions, you want someone you can trust to be able to make those decisions. We automatically assume that, oh, my spouse is going to be the person. I don't have to worry about that. But that's not the case. It needs to be written down in a document. So, so those three are just very basic for anyone. Um, now, depending on what your goals are and what um, and what your assets are and where your assets are, you may need a, a um, living trust. 
um, a revocable living trust. A revocable living trust um, serves um, several purposes. One, it can avoid probate. Uh, and probate will occur if you just have a will. A will guarantees probate. Um, but you want a will nonetheless, right? Um, rather than nothing. Um, the trust, however, when you put assets in your revocable living trust, that avoids probate because those assets will not go through the process of probate. A trust is nice for several reasons. Um, if you have significant assets, one, um, you will avoid probate and because probate is a public process. With the revocable living trust, everything remains private. And I've had some um, interesting stories um, when I was settling estates um, at Wells Fargo, in particular, one situation where we had a gentleman who passed away, him and his wife passed away. They had no children, but they had two nephews. And in his later years, he found that one of the nephews was very um, aggressive in trying to get um, control over their assets and um, just kind of take control. And the other nephew was just there, him and his wife taking care of them, didn't want anything, just wanted to, you know, take care of them. So he changed his will to uh, have everything go to the the nephew who was just coming in, taking care of him versus the nephew who was giving demands and trying to steal his assets. Now, that both nephews knew that they would be in the estate plan. So when the gentleman, when both of them died, the um, the will basically wrote the aggressive nephew out of the estate plan. He had a will and he had a trust. He tried to put everything into his trust, but there was some assets that never got into the trust. About a million dollars didn't get into the trust. And about $5 million got into the trust, right? So when the when the nephew who was aggressive found out that he was no longer in the will, he contested. He had no right to contest, He, but he said that there was undue influence by the other nephew. Now, unbeknownst to him, he didn't even know that there was a trust. And because a trust is a private document, and whilst we were the executor of this estate, um, Wells Fargo was the executor of this estate, we never shared that with them. We know because it's private, it was none of his business that there was a trust. So he went to contest the probate and he, he, he contested it. And the brother, basically the kind brother basically said, we'll give him something. Um, but we made him fight for that something. Um, so it gave him about 40% of that, although none of it belonged to him. So he was thinking the unkind brother thought, okay, I got, I got something, but he didn't get everything. He didn't even know that there was another $5 million sitting in a trust that he, he never got access to and never even know, knew, known about. Um, so I think what I would say is it's really good to have a trust and because it's a private document if you have those types of assets, if you have significant assets and you want to keep it private. So that's one of the great things about a living trust. Um, so it avoids probate. It's a private document. Um, whereas probate is a public, um, public, public document where all of your 
business will be known by the public if they wanted to go into um, the court and look at that. Um, also, it is good because, like I said before, it does avoid a living probate situation. So whatever assets are in that trust, a trustee can step in immediately and um, deal with those assets on your behalf. You don't have to go to court and do a conservatorship. Monica, are there other practical things around estate planning uh, tools or techniques, especially as it comes to giving to charity? There are a lot of amazing tools when it comes to philanthropic vehicles. When you're dealing with investors or high net worth clients, we, we have an estate tax. An estate tax um, at this point, two, uh, 2022, is $12 million now. So so what that means is that um, if your estate is over that, that threshold, the $12 million um, threshold, if, if your estate is above that, your estate's going to pay a 40% tax. That's a huge tax. So one of the things that um, charity does is it minimizes and avoids taxes. Um, but while you're living, it also provides you a huge tax deduction. Um, for example, let's look at um, a charitable remainder trust. The benefits of a charitable remainder trust is one, you give to your favorite charity, and that always makes um, makes a person feel good. You know, when they're giving to their favorite charity and they're doing something good for society. But you also get an income tax deduction. Um, and with the charitable remainder trust, not only do you get an income tax deduction, but you also can um, put into that charitable remainder trust highly appreciated assets and avoid the capital gains tax. And that's huge. I mean, I am seeing so many people avoid capital gains tax with the charitable remainder trust. And the other benefit um, for the charitable remainder trust is you get a stream of income for the rest of your life. So let's say you put three, $400,000 piece of real estate into the charitable remainder trust. You not only get a tax deduction based on a formula, it's not a dollar for dollar, but it's pretty huge. Um, you get to, and that, that three or $400,000 um, property maybe has a cost basis of 200,000. So you get capital gains, um, tax avoidance, or at least a huge reduction. Um, and then that income tax deduction, you can carry that over for five years. So you get so many benefits from um, utilizing a one of the vehicles like a charitable remainder trust. And there are other vehicles. There are things like charitable gift annuities. There are um, life estates. Um, it, it just depends. And you know, when when you um, speak to uh, you know your professional, like a, a an attorney or a CPA or a plan giving representative, like someone here at It Is Written, we we look at what it, what your goals are, what you would like to have accomplished, and then we can come up and look at your 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 individual circumstances, and then we come up with um, some some options for you. You know, is the charitable remainder trust something good for you? Or is it a blended gift that would um, benefit you? Um, so it just depends on the individual. It depends on the circumstances. So like I was saying, the um, estate planning and, and plan giving tools like 
the charitable remainder trust, the gift annuities, all these wonderful vehicles, they really help with minimizing taxes, both estate tax and income taxes. Um, the estate tax, the reason it's so powerful with estate taxes, because anytime your estate uh, currently in 2022, the exemption, the exemption amount for estate taxes, 12.06 million. I mean, that's a hefty amount, but you know, when you're dealing with investors, it's not hard to get to that 12 million when you have um, investment real estate, when you have um, securities, um, security investments and, and brokerage accounts, it's easy to get to that amount. And by the way, when you look at your gross estate, um, when someone passes away, it's not just those assets, but something like life insurance policy. So if you have a, a $5 million life insurance policy on your life, um, that's added into that gross estate. So you have a $5 million life insurance policy, you have a business interest, you have you know two pieces of property in California, you're going to hit that quickly. And so... Um, the best thing to do is to get some planning done and, and make sure you uh, avoid that 40% tax rate um, for the uh, estate tax. Monica, can you tell us how we can get a hold of you? I am with It Is Written. My email address is Monica E, M O N I C A E, at IIW.org. That's the best way to get in touch with me. And there are more investing secrets that are quite powerful for you to build and maximize your wealth. As a matter of fact, I've created a free guide to help you to be more effective in your investing journey. It's called the top investing hacks the exclusive rich are not telling us. And I want you to take action right now by clicking the link in the description below. I want you to have this exclusive access so that you can understand the strategies and the tactics the rich use to maximize and grow their wealth. All right, it's time for you to experience financial freedom. The information contained in this episode are opinions not to be used as individual guidance. As always, consult your own financial team for your investment decisions.